This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Hello, everyone. This is episode 66 of the Travel Writing World podcast. Joining me today is Robert Martineau. We're talking about his new book, Waypoints, A Journey on Foot, which was published in April 2021 by Jonathan Cape. In his book, as you'll hear us mention, Rob goes on a 1,000-mile walk through Ghana, Togo, and Benin. So we chat about his walk, escaping from a life of routine in a big city, the liberating and transformative potential of walking, about note-taking, and a lot more. If anyone has been feeling stagnant lately in work and life, and (laughs) haven't we all during the pandemic, then Rob's story might inspire you to stop waiting around for life to happen and to take charge. Anyways, we're going straight into the interview today. So while the show is free, a lot of work goes into it. Please consider telling your friends about the show leaving a review on the Apple Podcasts app or whichever podcasting app you use, or supporting the show with only a few dollars, pounds, or euro a month, less than a cup of coffee, at travelwritingworld.com support. And finally, if you're interested in getting my free monthly roundup of travel writing news delivered to your inbox in a newsletter I call Genius Loci, visit jeremybassetti.com to sign up. As ever, thanks for listening. So now, here is Rob Martineau. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. Really excited to speak. Likewise. So I wanted to start off by reliving a scene in the book. Uh, You're walking from Buepe to Yape in Ghana. And as you arrive to Yape, your blood rushes from your, your head, your limbs feel weightless and lights out. So you wake up next to a mosque as an old man nurses you to health. But this is interesting because (laughs) you almost died, it seems like. But it's also interesting because um, as a co-founder of a sports nutrition company, you seem a little bit undernourished on your walk in Africa. So (laughs) what what happened here? Uh, Straight in. Um, (laughs) So that was a part of the walk through, um, yeah, part of northern Ghana, where Uh at that time of year it gets um, very warm. and there's quite long um, distances between settlements. And I think on that particular day, I'd walked I think 40 miles the day before, and I was coming up to kind of 30 miles um, when I reached uh, this this small town called Yape, which is on the banks of this river. And I think for about three hours before I arrived, I'd been feeling just weaker and weaker. Um, and I think I just hadn't uh, I suppose consciously recognized, um, I guess like heat exhaustion mm-hmm. or dehydration and had this want just to keep going, keep going. You'll reach, um, you'll reach the village and you know, you'll get what you need. Just don't stop. Um, and I'd run out of water and I, I got to the settlement and I've been kind of on my own for the last 48 hours, I guess I'd camped the night before and it was quite overwhelming arriving in the settlement because suddenly there were tons of people around. Um, and I was, um, kind of center of attention. So I had all these people around me and 
I just uh, it just blacked out um, and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of collapsed. And I don't think it was it wasn't too dramatic. I mean, it it was a bit more like fainting than um, <laughs> than you know something uh, life threatening. But uh, but no, I was very fortunate that everyone there um, super super kind to me. And I, I just remember kind of coming to and probably it will happen pretty very quickly. But I was. Um, yeah, outside this uh, this mosque, and there were a group of um, elderly men who were kind of spraying water on my face and trying to work out what I was doing. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I now I now know more about sports nutrition than I did then, <laughs> keeping myself uh, hydrated and, uh, and energized. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, we should note too that that scene happens in a section of your book called, uh, I think desert so um you know you, you get a pass there but um walk us back here so you're you're 27 you decided to go for a thousand mile walk for six months through ghana togo and benin in west africa so walk us through you know the chain of events that led you there why did you do this where'd you go give us that background absolutely so at the time or the in the years before the walk i was working at a large corporate law firm in london um, and it's working very long hours. And I, I felt during those years working there that I was, was falling into a life I didn't want um, in some ways. I was often working 80-hour weeks. I, I didn't feel I was living the kind of in a way that I wanted to. And I could feel that it was damaging my mental and physical health. I felt myself getting unfit I, I was eating crap I was eating like three meals a day in the office canteen um mm-hmm. I just wasn't very happy um and I'd always been really interested mainly from books I'd read um about the idea that a long walk or a walking pilgrimage could be a way to reset a life um and I started thinking about it kind of more seriously and thinking about making a change and yeah I decided to to do this walk um it, it was quite random in some ways to go to um the part of west africa i did i have no sort of deep personal connection to that that region of west africa but it was an area through again through books i'd read over the years by um, writers either from or inspired by um that part of west africa that had I suppose grown in my imagination as a place i hope one day to visit um and yeah i, I made the made the decision to to, to do a walk and mm-hmm. And I think I'd had so in my mind the idea that a, a walk like that could work a little bit like a fast in some ways that in walking each day and carrying everything you need on your back and camping each night, spending a lot of time outside that I would be connecting with a completely different rhythm of life and that that would help me yeah, gain some clarity in terms of what I wanted and also experience the world in a different way that might help um, help reset me when I came back. Um, and it's a really, I don't know if you've ever, ever traveled to that, um, that region of West Africa, but it's a really sort of special part of the world. Um, it has, um, yeah, it really, it's a really special place to walk as well. Um, I think I've never been anywhere where I've done that kind of journey where I've been kind of welcomed in, in the way that I was there. It, see, it felt, um, thanks to the people who took me in that it was very natural to kind of arrive in a settlement, maybe far from a hotel or a store and Mm -hmm. um, to share food and to be given a safe place to sleep and then to to walk on the next day. And that, yeah, and that rhythm and enabling those kind of connections are really, I think it's a really special way to travel. And 
Yeah. Yeah, and and you just mentioned you know reading uh, books from that uh, region, but you also mention um, and bring up American nature writers like Thoreau, uh, Emerson, and and I guess we'll claim Muir here, <laughs> though I think he's uh, originally from Scotland. Um, <laughs> but it seemed like uh, that reading those writers in particular during your law job stirred within you kind of this desire to to leave to 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 go out into the wilderness, so to speak. Um, do you remember which writers in particular um, and, and their ideas, which ones uh, spoke to you and moved you to to go on the walk or as you refer to it as a pilgrimage? Yeah, I mean, definitely those three writers you referenced um, all have had a big impact on me, um, particularly Thoreau and, and Muir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in terms of writers who um, either inspired by or from West Africa, certainly like Ben Okri was a writer who um, who really inspired me to want to to visit that region. And he, he's an amazing novelist, but writes a lot and talks about the kind of power of stories. And I was really I'm really interested in the idea of I suppose a walking pilgrimage or a journey like that being a way to try and tell your own story or change your own um, your own life story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that's explored in waypoints the um the the book about the journey is how those different ideas and whether it's something like through and being in nature or pulling back um from all the different inputs of modern life what was then modern life to him and going back to a simpler way of life how how those kind of ideas can inspire us to walk and how a walk can be a way to access them and ultimately waypoints is a book about it's about walking it's about how something as simple as going on a long walk can be a transformative experience and through the different sections in waypoints i try and unpick a little i guess the folklore or the mysticism around that and someone like Thoreau for me would be someone who's one of the kind of grandfathers of that kind of mysticism yeah. um and so he was definitely the idea of Walden and the idea of going and living in a cabin that you build yourself. I think it's become a, it's such a kind of well-worn now ideal, um, but I still think there's a lot in there and in those ideas that are so relevant, almost more now than ever. Um, I definitely felt in my old life and to an extent something I still kind of battle with, the, the amount of kind of inputs I feel coming at me from all sorts of different directions. We're constantly bombarded with so many choices. We're constantly bombarded with so many calls on our attention. And that can be a very debilitating thing, I think, in lots of ways. And it can very easy to get distracted from what really matters. And I, I definitely felt that I was in a state where that was my kind of way of being before I left. And I was interested in how a walk could I suppose cut out all of as many of those distractions as possible and ultimately you have a really simple kind of goal each day if it's getting from a to b kind of walking whatever it is 10 20 30 miles and then pitching a tent at night sleeping eating going again um and definitely that those kind of ideas ultimately for me i, I discovered in a sense discovered those ideas from uh, from Thoreau and, and Walden because mm-hmm. it's something he although not in the context of walking always but it's something that he kind of talks about and expresses much better than I ever could mm-hmm. yeah routine is also a theme that <clears throat> comes up throughout the book you talk about walking and, and running um, as being also like restorative 
another idea that comes from like 19th century writers. Uh, but you also talk about the walk as a routine, which also has allusions to the routine, uh, your routine life in London. So I'm not articulating this well, but you, you're discussing the routine of walking in the book. And then you flash back to your life of routine in London. So I was wondering, like, how do you reconcile the routine of a life back in London, in a London office, to this kind of liberating routine of of walking across the desert or walking in Africa without those, you know, inputs and, you know, stimuli, the stimuli of kind of city life? I suppose it's... And I use the word healthy, unhealthy isn't isn't quite the right word, uh-huh. but I think the routine I had before in in London, which involved me often, you know, maybe spending twenty two or twenty three hours of every twenty four inside. I was um, often pretty exhausted. I was working very hard. I was living in air conditioned air. I was, I suppose, my routine. Um, meant I was immersed in things that I don't think were very good for me um, and mm. weren't helping me um, connect with what was important. Um, ultimately, I think they shut me off from it. Whereas what I was hoping um, to connect more with, with through the walk was a routine that shut, shut off a lot of inputs, but then exposed me to things that I think I needed or things that did me good. So taking the kind of inside-outside um, example, when I was working at the law firm, yeah, inside 23 out of every 24 hours a day, sometimes when I was walking, I wouldn't go into an inside space for um, four or five days at a time. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping outside, I was obviously walking each day. And that um, connection with fresh air, connection with um, landscape, um, connection with my own body, because I was living in my body. When you're walking like that, you're living in your body and your mind and your body are hopefully more in sync. Whereas before I was sitting down mainly. And I think all of those things, although they're quite simple um, and quite obvious, they do make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so the root, it wasn't so much the fact of a routine um, that I think makes a, a walking trip like that powerful, but I think it's, enforcing exposure in a way to things that uh that i felt at the time i needed and that could help me personally um mm-hmm. and give me space to kind of grow in other ways it's, it's interesting when you talk about you know your life back in the office you talk about you know that type of routine as uh and that type of work as exhausting is like kind of the soul-sucking type of uh, you know work yet you know, being outside and go- going on this walking pilgrimage, which is much more physically demanding than sitting in an office chair, you refer to it as life-giving, not life-taking. It's an interesting um, kind of inversion how something as physically demanding as, you know, a walk through the desert could provide you with so much, um, and quite the opposite, that a job sitting in a friggin' office building uh, can't 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 provide but definitely I, would, I suppose i would yeah i would really agree with that i mean i think it's, it's strange in a way and one of the things i try and explore a little bit in the book looking at the ideas of lots of different writers from different parts of the world and also from um some of the cultures the people i pass through so the people who live in the place i pass through on the walk is the idea that at least the life I was living, it was a life of great privilege in, mm-hmm. in lots of ways um, as a 
you know, a, a Westerner in London and a city job, but how that comes with so many, I suppose, lifestyle traits that are pretty unnatural and aren't, aren't really very, don't, I don't think really make, or didn't make me happy. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, quite the opposite. And I, I think it's strange when you kind of, probably when you zoom out uh, in terms of human history or human development, like the lots of the assumptions of what's kind of normal in, like London life are actually, I think, pretty un, pretty unusual and probably not very good, weren't very good for me anyway. And one of those examples is sitting down. In a way, sitting down for 10, 12 hours a day is, I don't think anyone would say it's good for us yet. Most of us, it's how most of us in, uh, you know, in a city like London live, um, or how lots of people do who, who work in offices. And, you know, it's actually much better to be walking you know walking for eight ten hours a day um and i definitely found although elements of a walk like that is physically um demanding it's definitely i you know i found it kind of mentally liberating and i think those two things are kind of connected as well mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting and this is just a, a an aside that no one really cares about but <laughs> as i get older like i can feel my my knee kind of bothering me and I sit at a desk most of the time, uh, especially during this last year. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts to hurt when I'm sitting at the chair. But when I go out for walks, uh, it's the, the pain disappears and I don't know <laughs> what's going on. You know, people say that the impacts, uh, you know, of walking and running and things like that damage the knees. And I suspect that they do on one level. But what I'm experiencing is that, you know, this... You know, phrase that walking solves it all like I go out and I go for a walk and 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 those types of pains and troubles that are imposed upon me by this kind of like constricting modern life those pains and troubles seem to disappear by this very kind of primordial human act of of walking you know and I think lots of people feel that and it's been really interesting kind of talking and hearing from readers um, who've read Waypoints, read the book about how, I suppose, lockdowns through COVID, like walking's become, for lots of people, um, certainly in, in London and in the UK, a kind of salvation in some way. It's such a... Privilege. It was for, long, for sort of long periods of time, really the only thing people could do, the only release. Um, and I think it's really shone, shone a spotlight on walking as such a kind of simple but powerful thing you know yeah. it's like a lifestyle and i think it can have such transformative effects and again i try and explore some of those ideas in waypoints um because i think it's so interesting it's such a sim- such a simple thing that it can be so powerful mm-hmm. yeah this is also interesting because um you you refer to writing in the book as a routine and <laughs> as you know writing is very kind of sitting intensive sport, I guess. Um, you talk about the routine of writing during your walk. You mentioned being diligent about um, your writing routine every day. Um, so how did, um, I guess, how important was your writing routine while you were traveling? I mean, is this something that you you, you try to get in every night while you were in Africa or what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was important. I suppose it's worth, worth giving a bit of the background. But, I mean, I left to do the journey for you know for personal reasons and i i suppose i had aspirations to um to write a book but it was never something that was the main driver for the decision to go and it was something that oh, actually i so i basically kept notebooks and i i kind of posted them posted them home um and i 
came back and I tried to kind of create uh, a book out of those notebooks, but I didn't really have, um, I suppose, a story to tell. Um, and it, it just wasn't, wasn't really good enough. Um, and then a couple of years later, someone I'm very close with, um, very sadly had a mental breakdown. And I spent, um, that person was in hospital for a, a month um, recovering and I would visit him sort of every other day over that period. And walking became a, a big part of his recovery. Um, someone came, a volunteer, and took him out for walks um, over the last couple of weeks in the hospital and then he carried on walking beyond. And I became then really interested in some of the ideas I guess I'd I taken myself from the walk I'd done um, and the idea as a walk as, as healing. So that was the kind of, and I then started writing at Waypoint. So I only started writing it sort of properly, maybe three or four years after the journey. So for me, when I was uh, actually on the walk, um, writing was kind of, it wasn't a distraction, but it was something that I, I really enjoyed doing. But I, um, it was a bit like, I saw it a bit like reading, I suppose. Um, it was something I often didn't have a book with me. I was traveling very light. Um, and it was something that I could do each night if I was camping um, and I'd make my food. And then I'd maybe sit out outside my tent for the last hour of light. And I would just write down um, notes on what I'd seen during the day. And I'd experiment say experiment creatively you know what I mean like writing kind of maybe trying to write out the day in a more um, interesting way than just kind of bullet point notes um and so it was quite scrappy was uh the writing I, I did but um through it I suppose I was beginning to formulate ideas which then came up in different ways later um and I've always been someone who writes all over all the books I have as well so whether it's like copies of every book I like I've got kind of notes all over them and manuscript <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah what, what I, I mean i think about like for me in some ways writing gives shape to my my own thoughts and it gives shape to my day if i'm traveling for example it helps you know give make me um make sense out of out of what's going on in the day writing can also be therapeutic kind of like like a walking could did you did you find that writing in africa was was um kind of therapeutic in the sense that it helped you give shape to the day or helped clear your mind as walking would? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I suppose, I think writing for me while I was there did maybe a couple of things. The first was that it gave me that sense that I was kind of doing something worthwhile with the walk as it was a bit, (laughs) you know, like uh, it was, I was making some record of it and somehow that record it gave more of a sense of purpose to me. Um, I'm not really a photo guy. Like I don't take lots of photos. So um, I think it helped me uh, have that feeling, which is perhaps sad that I, you know, I need that feeling, but, um, but I, I think that was, that was part of it. And then second thing, which I think writing is for me, was really powerful for is kind of channeling curiosity in some ways. It made me, I think, explore more in my own mind or in the, the places I was passing, seeking out whether it's the history or um, that the part of West Africa I was in has essentially my people. So people from England and the UK have done like horrendous things in, in mm-hmm. that, those three countries in West Africa over um, over the last the past centuries, whether it's slavery or colonialism, and uh, 
in trying to understand more or, or learn more about that that history as I was walking. I think writing kind of helped fuel that curiosity for me um, because it, it again it gave more of a purpose to it, even mm-hmm. though I I wasn't sort of really aware then how I would try and write about that in due course. But when I came to write the book properly, it definitely uh, gave me more. I was more eager to kind of um, be curious. I think mm-hmm. the book ends in Wida, uh, which is is known for you know having this very gruesome kind of history with slavery and you know in particular exporting slaves um, from from Africa to the West. Um, it's kind of a horrible history uh, that you you know discuss and you acknowledge and. Somewhere in the book, you even mention uh, something about, I don't remember exactly what you said. I don't have the quote in front of me, but you said uh, you know, something to the effect of, you know, the world doesn't need another story of, you know, a white guy in, in Africa, right? <laughs> because, you know, so many of those stories from the past have been colonialist, have been you know, just terrible, terrible uh, works in many ways. But I was wondering if, if you could talk a little bit about this in, in terms of like, uh, your approach to writing a book um, as a white guy writing a book about a walk in Africa, how 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 one might kind of approach this uh, topic a little bit more respectfully, a little bit. How do you how do you approach writing about Africa from the perspective of a white guy um, that doesn't have those um, same sort of issues that we've read about in the past? I think it's really difficult. Is the truth? I think that, I suppose the first thing particularly from Britain, the, there is this, well, one, there's this see, horrendous history of um, British um, interaction over the recent centuries with different countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I suppose a part of that was the idea of the kind of explorer um, and often the explorer kind of went and then it opened up a path for these, these kind of conquests. And then since... There have been kind of tropes, I guess, with um, Western Westerners, um, white guys from based like London, going um, to to different countries and kind of describing them as if they have a right to tell the story. And I think all of those things have led to lots of harm. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, uh, I wasn't. I'm not saying. Sort of, Hundred percent aware of all that, or that I've gone about it, and I wouldn't say you know gone about everything in the right way. Maybe I haven't. Um, it's obviously for readers to to kind of look at, to read and, and see. But I was very kind of conscious of that when I was writing, and I suppose in a way I didn't want to write a, write a book in some ways. Um, but then some of the ideas about walking, about um, the journey i think were really important and are worth sharing so there's a bit of a tension there that i try and explore quite openly in the book um about my preconceptions um going to that part of west africa about some of the things i hoped to put myself through i guess through the walk almost like a kind of rite of passage and how a lot of that was bound up with kind of naive ideas about myself and um, where I was going that were really wrong and kind of romanticized notions of um, those different countries. And I tried to explore um, explore those ideas in the book. Um, but then ultimately, the story is about how a walk can be this, this kind of powerful and healing thing. And 
Um, and so that I think is the main, the main kind of subject of it and the main thrust. Um, and there are, there are hopefully lots of kind of layers stitched in and stitched together, um, drawing on I suppose the, the history and it's not a book about West African history. It's not a book about slavery. It's not a book about, you know, contemporary Ghana or contemporary Togo Benin. It's a book about, about a walk and it tries to draw in those different elements um, in a way that is quite natural and hopefully does the places justice. But I think where a travel book can be really exciting is that it, it allows that bringing together of lots of different ideas around something quite simple that everyone can get, which is a journey from A to B, because that gives it a kind of very simple narrative that's hopefully kind of easy to follow and engaging and, and gives it a rhythm. Um, and then stitched into it, hopefully you can, you know, layer together lots of interesting elements of history, philosophy, I don't know, ideas about life. And I guess that's what I tried to do with it. And I hope I've done it in a way that's sensitive to, you know, the history and the places I was passing, but also, very aware that even how how quickly things I did like five six years ago I look back on and think I don't know you know you might in a sense things that were fine are not are not anymore I don't know even watching like an episode of Friends something I used to love I now think but that looks kind of so dated now so I um I hope it's I've done it well but um I'm sort of aware of the potential pitfalls I guess mm -hmm. yeah and I think you know, as you, as you just mentioned, I think, you know, pretty, pretty good defense of that is that, you know, this book is about, uh, you know, you and your, your walk. It's not about kind of conquering a territory. It's not about, um, you know, describing the, the native savages as it were in, in, in travelogues of the past or the character of the people that they meet. This is very much about you and your walk. And, um, yeah, you can't write a travel book uh, that doesn't engage with the place in which you're traveling. Um, so there's some of that in there, but it doesn't have the, as far as uh, the way that I read it, it doesn't have the same um, kind of overtones of, of, of empire or whatever um, that you see in those in those olden books. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, as, Just to close this out, um, as I mentioned earlier, you um, co-founded a sports nutrition company, uh, Tribe. Um, so... Uh, how does I just wanted to know, just curious, like how does that venture fit into the timeline of of your pilgrimage and and your and your writing of the book? Mm, um, yeah, it's a great question. So, tribe, um, just a bit of background, is kind of three things. We're uh, yeah, sports nutrition companies. So we make kind of energy and protein bars. Um, we also have a community of runners. So we put on lots of events, um, like half marathons, ultra marathons, bike rides, um, and then we also have a sister charity, the Tribe Freedom Foundation, which uh, exists to fight human trafficking, so to support the victims of human trafficking and to, to try and disrupt it from happening. Um, and I started Tribe with two friends um, about two years after I got back from the walk. Um, and it was, in a sense, quite disconnected from it. Um, but it was, I think, the going on the walk definitely really changed my perspective and in some ways gave me some confidence to, I was, I was, how old, I was 27 when I did it, to to try and strike out on a slightly different path um and yeah we've been doing tribe for five or six years now it's a really amazing amazing team team here and we're growing really well it's a really amazing amazing thing um and i was as i was writing the book um for 
I guess, a year and a half while I was doing tripe. Um, and that was hard. I was having to get up very early. I'd get up at five. I'd write for two hours. Um, then I'd go to run to work. And then I'd work for 10, 12 hours. And then I'd write when I got home. I, my working life is tribe it requires a lot of energy and a lot of effort as i guess any kind of startup um any person working in a startup would know and definitely juggling that was trying to write to a really high quality and working with an editor and so on was um yeah it was challenging but it was you know really fulfilling as well and i was very lucky to essentially have both opportunities as uh, you know to write the book and to um and with tribe mm-hmm well, very good. I, I wish you luck with the book and also uh, Tribe. When I next time I go to the UK, I'll pick up a snack and bite into it. Um, <laughs> how can we um, how can we track you online? So, in terms of it's a very good question. Um, I'm quite new to Instagram, but uh, I can uh, share my my Instagram. Yeah. and then um, yeah, the book's available on. Um, well, all kind of good bookstores. It's published with Penguin. Um, so there's, uh, yeah, there's a, a way to find it on Amazon, on bookshop.org and all those, uh, those stores too. Okay, well, um, we'll put the links to your Instagram and uh, your book uh, on all those stores in the show notes. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to catching up soon. You can find the episode show notes and much more at TravelWritingWorld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at TravelWritingWorld.com support. 